Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Gabe Ramirez. My BetMGM account is going crazy right now. Ever since the NCAA tournament, I've just been fortunate enough to be pulling off a few victories. Anthony Heron. On 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Okay. I can get with it. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron, two of the finest. Vocalists. See? <laughs> and, I mean, I don't want to throw the whole intro off. I was just kind of, you know, vibing by myself for a moment there. Just hey. making sure we get on the air right. You like know, the, where was it? Sunday, I was driving with my wife and the two kids in the car. It was early, maybe 8 in the morning. And my wife was like, all right, DJ. <laughs> I hate when she does that. All right, B96 guy. <laughs> Set the tone for us. Put a song on. It's like so much pressure. I have to I have to make a two year old okay, and eight month old and my like, wife that provide pressure to the moment. Absolutely, expectations. Because right. the, the worst yeah. thing that could happen is you know you have a family with a child. The worst thing is you put a song on and from the back of the car they're like, change the change the song, <laughs> not this. So real quick. So what I ended up going with was I said, you know what? We are a conscious, woke group in this car, and we're starting off our Sunday with Marvin Gaye, What's Going On. Okay. You know, I felt Good call, Pop. And, Good and, call. You know, Whitney, was everybody feeling it? it? It was crazy. Whitney was in the background dancing. My wife, she's a feminist. She's all about it. So she was like, yes. Uh-huh. She's half black, half white. She's like, yes, babe. This is what I'm talking about. I'm like, yeah, Okay. <laughs> I just like Marvin Gaye. I'm the only one in the car that knows the words. Now, did you just happen to like, you know, flip it to the station and Marvin Gaye no, came on? No, no, or did no, you no. like, you got like a playlist? Spotify? No, no. Okay. And when you spend 14 years on B96, you kind of just kind of, <laughs> you have to like just take two seconds mm-hmm. and just go ahead and go into the memory bank and kind of take yourself there to where where you need to be. Kind of like, kind of like when we're watching these bears during the season on Bears Unleashed, you and I, mm-hmm. and our brain has to take us somewhere sometimes. In order yeah. to digest what it is that we're seeing on the field. Escape on occasion. Yeah, just to, to get to a better place, you know, make sure we're 
we're still in a, in a positive frame of mind mentally because it can at times, as folks out there know, be a little bit painful, a little it, bit difficult to watch what the Bears have going on or frequently in the offensive side what they don't have going on when, uh, at certain points in the season. So, and, yeah, I definitely know what you mean. And we're so excited. I look, I look at this upcoming season, and I'm trying to get ready for spring – or excuse me, for, for training camp. I'm trying to get ready for the you know upcoming season and see where we're supposed to be at mentally preparing myself. But I can't seem to, to like wrap my mind around the season itself. So I'm more so focusing in on players and and position groups. And somebody that's been standing out to me lately, and is Jalen Johnson. Okay. And whether it's him running with the twos, whether it's, you know, Cooper Cup saying that, you know, he's one of the best uh, cornerbacks that he's gone against, or if it's this new list that's came out that has Jalen Johnson as the 28th best cornerback in the league. And I feel like when I look at this team, I, start, I want to start on the defense because I feel like the offense has so many questions. So I'm trying to focus in on the defense. And I'm curious, you know, for you, and when you look at Jalen Johnson, you look at what he's doing for this team and what he has done the last two seasons, you know, only one interception, just just not where you want it to be, but you know he's a dog. So right. so, so what do you – when you think about Jalen Johnson, you see him running with the twos, you see him, people saying he's the 28th best corner, how, how do you feel about him, you know, as a whole? The evaluation of Jalen Johnson is a, it's an interesting one because the, the playmaking on the ball – in PBUs, pass deflections, he's always been outstanding there, and he's best in straight man coverage. Like this, this is why he was one of the guys even going into the draft. I was tweeting about, you know, the Bears having second round picks that year. If if they could get Jalen Johnson, it was going to be a nice grab for them for what they needed at corner and his abilities there. And because of some shoulder injuries throughout college, that there was a chance, even though it was a first round level cover corner, that maybe he would fall into round two. And that's how it played out for the Bears, and it went really well for them to, to be able to get him at that spot. But he's he's never really been a guy with, with huge interception numbers despite his outstanding man cover skills. And, you know, it, it's not like he doesn't have ball skills. He's not one of these guys who seems to struggle catching the ball when it's there. So I, I would say that from what we've seen through a couple of seasons here in Chicago, from the rookie season where he was just coming off of shoulder injury, it did feel like, all right, there was there were some tackling struggles throughout the rookie year. I think in year two, his game even, you know, I, I thought he was impressive as a rookie. Then in year two, performance ramped up even more. I thought he tackled more consistently. But if you're going to be amongst the best, you know, like being a being viewed as a top 30 corner in football, that is no small thing. There's a lot of respect that goes with that. But if you're going to be one of these guys who's viewed as a, you know, Pro Bowl caliber corner, one of these guys who maybe, as everyone hopes they will, especially if yeah. you're a high draft pick, if you want to be amongst the best in the business, maybe get one of those contracts amongst the best in the business, then the plays on the ball are where he can take the next step. And he does – he's always seemed like a guy with enough ball skills to get that done. So I do, I do wonder a little bit. And what intrigues me – we were talking about this a little bit last time we, we hosted together – is what feels like maybe just the initial stages of, of maybe challenging Jalen Johnson a little bit, mm. like nothing's guaranteed to you. Yeah, you can run with the twos for a little bit. We're not going to make a huge <laughs> deal out of it, but you don't just show up day one and, and right. you know get to be anointed as anything. And I do think there's something to that to make sure, like his college coach, Kyle Whittingham at Utah, was always great, the ability to challenge players, to make sure he's getting the most out of them. Mm. Matt Eberflus, a slightly, slightly different temperament 
than Whittingham. But when you hear guys, you know, guys I've spoken to about Matt Eberflus since he got this job, he does have the ability to be able to challenge players, to be demanding of them like that. without necessarily, you know, having the players feel like they're being criticized. And, and so I, I do think that Eberflus right now, from folks I've talked to about him and even in handling this Jalen Johnson situation, this could be an early example of him in a somewhat nonchalant sort of manner, media, you know, notice, oh, he's with the twos. What does that mean? And then Eberflus downplays it a little bit. So he's willing <laughs> to say, yeah, I'm, I'm not anointing anyone. We've seen it in a few different position groups while at the same time, yeah. you know, not necessarily sort of taking Jalen Johnson to task or calling him out yeah. publicly. So we'll see if this, within the new defensive scheme, Eberflus's defense, the the way that the takeaways are always in high volume in Eberflus coaches' teams – that should be, I would imagine, a benefit to Jalen Johnson because he, he certainly does have high-level potential. And it's tough and to challenge, obviously, grown men to play at a high level, especially when they're making so much money. Yeah, He's, he's Anthony Heron. and I'm Gabe Ramirez. This is 670 The Score. We're talking about Jalen Johnson and just his body of work so far. And I'm curious, Ant, from you. I mean, you're a former NFL player. You've played at an extremely high level before. What is it that, that you specifically, as a D-lineman, what are you looking for out of your cornerbacks? Like, what traits can separate you from other corners? Like, what, what have you seen in, in your time playing that, you, you know, you, you, you turn your shoulder, you're trying to get to the quarterback, he throws the ball, you're like, damn, I almost got him. But you turn, you turn, mm-hmm. your cor- you turn the shoulder, or look over your shoulder, and you see that guy, like, what is he doing? What is that person doing that's, that's really making them a great cornerback? Well, a lot of times in, in certain defenses, especially when there's, a, when there's a lot of movement up front, when throwing windows are part of the concern for the defensive front, when zone coverage drops are part of how the edge defenders are operating within a scheme, there's a lot more communication between the defensive front and the secondary than folks that folks would end up realizing. And so that relationship, just the trust that needs to be there as you are, you know, perhaps going to actually be taking up a throwing window in certain situations, that's huge. But then beyond that, you want a chance to get home. You know, you want a secondary mm. that, like we saw last season, where the quarterbacks seemed so consistently comfortable, even in scenarios where the pass rush for the Bears was getting home, it rarely felt like the coverage was completely on lock for the Bears, and so that still did end up leaving, leading to a lot of big pass plays. You want to feel like up front that you can fully commit to that rush, and in doing so, where the quarterback's maybe going to have to hold the ball for a moment, maybe pat the ball because he's either confused by the coverage on the back end or the coverage on the back end is just so tight that he's not certain he can fit it into a window. If the secondary can force that QB to hold the ball, then that gives you that extra beat to be able to get home. And, you know, conversely, it works both ways where the secondary wants to know if we're in our responsibility that you've got guys up front who can get home with that rush. It can enhance the aggression and the commitment that they have within coverage also. So those things work in tandem. And I would say that's probably the main way that plays out. It can affect – the, the tenacity that you attack with in an individual snap, depending on how much confidence do you have. And it's not necessarily even something that, that you think about overtly, but it can sap your aggression. It can yeah. sap your confidence as a defensive lineman. If you don't necessarily feel like that secondary is holding up, <laughs> you're a bit, a bit more apt to just kind of get a couple of steps up the right. field and maybe you don't stick with the rush. You're, you're getting ready to turn and run and chase the ball down the field because you feel like the quarterback's going to get the ball out quick because the coverage isn't there. And both things can kind of work you know, in the opposite way as well. So I think a lot of that is just about how much confidence do you have in that other level to do their job, and then it allows you to attack your responsibility that much more. And I feel like he's done a phenomenal job. I mean, being put into the position that he's been placed in, of course, talking about Jalen Johnson, 
he could have been, the, or we want him to be that number one cornerback for the Chicago Bears, that mm-hmm. that shutdown guy, the one you could put on the best. And he seems as though he was up to the challenge. When we went to go face the Vikings for the second time, he said it himself. He said, I can't wait to go up against the best. I can't wait to be on Thielen. I can't wait to, to try to shut these guys down or, or be given the opportunity to do so. So, again, it's going to be interesting to see how he takes on that challenge th- this upcoming season. Another question I have for you, Ant, is what is it like with – knowing that a rookie is on the other side of you, if you are Jalen Johnson, right? You, you, the, we're anticipating Kyler Gordon being the, the other starting cornerback. Do you, I mean, I don't know. Do you feel kind of upset? Like, oh, I got this young guy on the other side. Like, I gotta, <laughs> you know, like you said, you got to be looking over your shoulder. And maybe, you know, while you're guarding your man and being focused on him, your eyes, you know, you're out of the peripheral, you might be looking at that. Or does that rookie have, like, do you genuinely believe in the rookie going into the beginning of the season? My belief is that there's because the squad is so young at this point. I mean, you know, we're, a guy like Roquan Smith isn't even into a second contract yet, and he's already one of the veterans, one of the elder statesmen on this team, one of the most experienced players in the lineup. He's still on his first deal, so it, it's become very quickly a really young roster for the Bears. And so, with that in mind, now Jalen Johnson can start to look at himself in that mold as well. He can start to see himself as that vet because he's likely to have at least one, possibly two, maybe even probably two rookies who are going to be starting in that secondary alongside him. So he's going to have the expectation of being along with Eddie Jackson, being one of these leaders on the back end of the Bears defense. I think having a rookie on the opposite side from him, Jalen Johnson needs to be a guy that shows up and makes sure he's setting a high standard to be that player that Kyler Gordon can feed off of. Now, conversely, I do think the Bears coaches, where they took this, this approach, like the youth movement is, is big from a sort of macro perspective just to see if you got some guys who you're going to get on an inexpensive contract, keep that cap space open. But in addition to, you know, maybe you actually get some gems from this year, maybe some, some guys emerge as true playmakers for you, but then if nothing else, just the the attitude that you want, the tempo that Matt Eberflus, that that Ryan Poles, that they want practice to operate at on a daily basis, the expectation for how hard the guys are focusing and working and everything. When you got a whole lot of like rookies and guys early in their career and guys with with something to prove, you don't want comfort. You know, when you get here early, you want to set a standard where guys are never completely comfortable. And so having that level of youth around makes a big difference. That's where, frankly, we'll see, man, maybe Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker. Like we're hearing a lot of reports about how OTAs were going where they're some of the main guys out there putting the extra work in, poking the ball away, flying all over the field. That's the type of attitude that you want, not just to show up on game day, but to be in that repetitive attitude, that sort of you know repetitive right. habit for that work to be put in every day, that focus to become muscle memory. And frankly, Maybe some of the older guys feed off of that as well. Maybe a Jalen Johnson recognizes that. And while you want Jalen Johnson as the guy who, especially at the corner position, is you know perhaps, if not your most gifted player, certainly your most, your most accomplished one at this point since he's the one who's actually made plays in games here. But maybe there's a tempo that gets set by these young cats coming in here too that Jalen Johnson recognizes. Okay, yeah. that's what, since they were on the field with these coaches before I was at that rookie minicamp, <laughs> man, look at that young cat flying around, man. I, I got to have my game on that level as well. And I would imagine, I haven't gotten to speak to Matt Eberflus myself yet, but I would imagine that's a part of that as well. Like these other guys know how we practice. So Jalen Johnson, you show up day one, maybe you run with the twos for a little bit here. If nothing else, whether it's conditioning or knowing the scheme, but also – 
These other guys already had a mini camp in. They just know how we expect them to fly around the field. They can go out there, Kyler Gordon, Jaquan Brisker, and others, and, and let even the veterans know this is the tempo the Bears are operating at now. You had a different deal going before. That was the previous regime. This is how the current Chicago Bears practice. What does that end up? You know, sort of equally once you get to the regular season. Maybe not a whole lot, but these are all just building <laughs> blocks to get you towards that point a few months from now. Yeah, I think everyone's going to be watching the defensive back group. It's going to be something that yeah. people are going to be talking about all season long, so it's going to be interesting. And, and those of you that are listening right now, I have a question for you. Uh, we want you to text it in right now to our tech zone. It's brought to you by Rosen Hyundai of Algonquin. Save time. Shop online at RosenHyundai.com. The number is 312-644-6767. Do you think Jalen Johnson can make the Pro Bowl? Not will he make the Pro Bowl. Do you think he can make the Pro Bowl this season? That's what I want to ask you guys. And we're also going to ask that very same question to Patrick Finley from the Chicago Sun-Times. He's going to be joining us right after this to talk a little bit more Bears football. And I'm going to ask him, can Jalen Johnson be a Pro Bowl cornerback or will he have a disappointing season that will leave him with the second team? We'll ask Patrick Finley right after this. I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron. This is 670 The Score. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron on 670 The Score in Odyssey Station. Every little step I take towards the NFL season, my heart pounds a little harder because I'm not sure what to expect, Anthony Heron. You know who sings this, right? I know you do. Do you know who sings it? It's uh, Bobby Brown, right? Okay. I, I like how you... Waited, <laughs> knowing damn well. I'm busy singing. Okay. Yeah, that's my bad. I didn't. Uh, I heard you saying something. I kind of <laughs> missed the question for a moment. Yeah, yeah. He's Anthony Heron. I'm Gabe Ramirez, and joining us right now on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino in Las Vegas, home of the world's largest sports book. He's probably singing it himself. Patrick Finley of the Chicago Sun Times. What's going on, Pat? My question for you is. Is Jalen Johnson going to be a Pro Bowl cornerback, or do you feel like he's going to have a disappointing season that'll continue to leave him on the second team? And there's no, no in between, no, by the it, way, Patrick. Let's <laughs> choose one or the other. I think he's a Pro Bowl cornerback. I think he's one of the best three players they have on the roster. Uh, granted, that might be damning with faint praise, but uh, there's nothing I've seen from him in the first two seasons that make me think anything other than he'll be a Pro Bowler. You know, whether that's this year or not, I, I, I don't know. Remember, you know, number one, that if the Bears are horrible, uh, it's going to be, you know, pretty hard to get players on that Pro Bowl list. And number two, the Pro Bowl, as we know it, might not be around much longer anyway. Um, yeah, I think he's a good player, and I think he's one of the few, maybe five, five or fewer players the Bears have that you could really uh, build around. And the the way that things played out by him, you know, initially missing part of the offseason program, then he's here and he's running with the twos, and that understandably got got a little bit of media buzz going about that, frankly, because we just we don't have a lot to go on with Matt Eberfuse yet <laughs> right. at this point. So there was some some scrutiny, some focus there. It feels like Eberflus defused it a decent bit. Uh, what were your impressions of, of Jalen Johnson from what we've seen and heard from him since that was initially a story? Now, my, uh, well, we haven't heard from him since it was a story. We had spoken to him the week before. Uh, but my interpretation of it was that Matt Eberflus wanted to see Jalen Johnson play. Uh, the fact that Jalen sat out some of the voluntary practices that had taken place earlier this spring meant that Eberflus was not able to see him play in person. And that this was probably a message sent and a message received 
hopefully in the right vein or in the right attitude that um, you don't just return and jump right back into the starters. I, I don't think this is any reflection on whether he will start when the season starts. Like I said, I, I think really highly of him, and I think it would take an act of God for him to not be uh, the Bears' the Bears' number one uh, number one corner when the season begins. We're talking to Patrick Finley, of course, from the Chicago Sometimes. Obviously, you know, a lot of people are are questioning, you know, with this cover two defense that they're going to be playing. Where is the pressure going to be coming from when looking at the defensive line? Outside of a, a Travis Gibson, who do you see that has the potential to cause some havoc? and get to the quarterback uh, out of the guys that are playing? Well, they, at least as of now, they have the franchise's single-season sacks leader on their roster. So, you know, Robert Quinn, uh, I think, uh, will start the season with the team. Um, you know, I understand, and I'm sure everybody in Dallas Hall also understands that his timeline is not the same as the Bears' timeline. He's probably not going to be on the next good Bears team whenever that may be, two, three, four years from now. Uh, and the question Bears have is, do they trade him and try and get a draft pick? And if they do that, do they want to do it now? Do they want to do it before the trade deadline in October? Um, I think it's probably the latter, because if they wanted to trade him now, they could have done it at any point. <laughs> you know, draft night, uh, March, uh, you know, they could have traded them when they traded Khalil Mack and they decided to hang on to them. Um, I think that uh, Ryan Polson, the GM, wants Robert Quinn around. Uh, we'll see if somebody makes them an offer they can't refuse, so to speak. Uh, but yeah, Quinn, you know, Quinn's going to be the one getting there. And I want to remind you guys, and, and I don't want to be a bummer in the off season because the off season is not about uh, being a bummer. But you know, the Bears got to the quarterback last year, <laughs> and they still gave up the highest passer rating of any team in football. So uh, yes, pressure is a huge part of the coverage plan here, but you still got to cup <laughs> because the Bears uh, had a had a hard time doing that. And with that in mind, as it relates to Robert Quinn, do you do you get the sense and how you know how much reporting are are you kind of buying in the notion that you know it, it's one thing for him to have a sense that maybe the Bears are shopping him. It's another thing if the discussion has legitimately taken place, and, and maybe you know Robert Quinn shouldn't even be expected to be at you know perhaps some mandatory activities that'll be coming up here. You know because obviously if he you risk the injury, something happens on the practice field or during training camp if we get to that point and he's still on the roster, then, you know, then both sides lose if they really are shopping him around. Do you have any sense that a, a legitimate conversation has been had between the team and Quinn about, about his future with the Bears or lack thereof? I, I don't, but I can tell you this. You know, in uh, April they gave him the Brian Piccolo Award, which is the most – valuable thing that they have at Hallis Hall within the building. It is, you know, what you, you give a veteran and a rookie every year, and it is a way to honor them as people in addition to players. We talked to Quinn when he got that award. Quinn said he wanted to be here. Of course, that's what you're supposed to say. Um, but he made it sound like, you know, like, you know, rebuilding wasn't, <laughs> he wasn't necessarily thrilled about a rebuild, um, but, uh, but that, you know, he did say he wanted to be here. Uh, you know, whether that explicit conversation has taken place already, I don't know. But like I said, I, I think both sides uh, are know exactly where the Bears stand here and that the Bears are staring at a season that's not going to be very good. <laughs> We're talking to Patrick Finley, whose birds in the background are just singing oh, some yeah. beautiful He's songs a, right now. Arboretum or something like that. It sounds lovely. Making me feel good over here, Patrick. Guys, <laughs> There's a cardinal in my backyard, and, and the cardinal attacks my barbecue grill. 
because it sees itself in the it sees itself in the stainless steel. Uh, so it's not the smartest card in okay. the world, I promise. You. I got it. Well, but you know, Gabe, I, I've said this to, to Pat before. One of the things I love about his ability as the the assembled media mm-hmm. is just kind of peppering the bear's brass with questions. Patrick will ask some of the most pointed questions of anyone there, but there's something about his delivery that still sounds kind of jovial when yeah. he does it. So, I mean, I could see him just in like a Disney cartoon. Maybe there's like birds <laughs> chirping in the background while he's doing this interview talking bear. <laughs> Must be a... They're making me, yeah, they're making me a dress for the ball. Like yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, Patrick, let me ask you, because when I look at this team and I'm look, going into the season, as a, just a genuine fan, I'm like, who do I feel like is going to be better, the offense or the defense? And, and like, I, there's too many question marks on the defensive side of the ball, and there's just equally as many on the offensive side. And, and I, I can't pinpoint like if the Bears are to win some games, you know, a handful of games this season, it's going to be on the backs of whom? Who, who would you say in this instance? Well, Justin Fields is is the easy answer. You know, if the Bears are going to be anything above average, uh, it would be because Justin Fields has a breakthrough season. I would argue to you that that might be hard to do because of the weapons that he does or does not have around him. You know, if they're going to win, I think they're going to win with defense. You know, part of it is that's what Matty Burfus does. Um, the other part is when you look at that unit uh, for all of the losses that they sustained this year via free agency, you know, there's not really a huge gaping hole anywhere. You know, now that you've got, you know, Brisker and Kyler Gordon, you know, you know who you're for starting defensive backs will be, you know, the slot corner will be a question. Uh, and then, you know, at linebacker, you've got, you know, Roquan Smith, who I still think is one of the best players on the planet. Uh, you've got Nicholas Morrow, who I think has a chance to be really good. And then you've got that D line. And, you know, like we talked about, you know, whether it's Mohammed coming over from the Colts or whether it is Robert Quinn, you know, I mean, there are pieces there to be, you know, an average or better than average defense. Uh, I think that that's how they're going to have to win games. I don't know that they're going to win a lot of games, but I think that the defense is more fully formed than the offense is right now. Now, if I'm wrong, I think the Bears would be thrilled because I, I think you know the offense making a big step is going to be you know what gets them into the playoffs whenever that may be. Uh, you know they you know I, I think we just learned a pretty hard lesson over the last couple of years that having a great defense and a middling offense really doesn't get it done in the modern NFL anymore. Patrick Finley of the Sun-Times with us here on Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. And, and you know, as as early in Matt Nagy's time here in Chicago, as I had my gaze trained on him, you know, where you know a lot of folks talking Mitch early on, and you, you get that, you understand that, because he's the one out there playing. But obviously the, the play caller, the constructor of the offense has a huge say in whether or not the QB is set up for success. And now we have this new regime kind of flipped on its head from what the previous one was, where now a defensive-minded head coach like you referenced in Eberflus. So you're going to have this first-time OC, well, not first-time OC, but first-time NFL play caller in Luke Getze who will have the offense sort of to himself. We know Eberflus has spent a lot of time sort of looking in on things, but you would imagine Luke Getze will be running that show what are your impressions up to this point from what you've seen, what you've heard of what Luke Getze will be doing to attempt to get the most out of Justin Fields? Well, they're trying to keep that about as quiet as humanly possible right now in terms of what exactly <laughs> the offense will look like. But, you know, suffice it to say, they're going to look a lot like the Packers. And whether they'll be as effective as the Packers, you know, probably not. But, you know, we're looking at outside zone runs. We're looking at play action, making life easier for Justin Fields. And we're looking at a vertical passing game that plays – to Justin Fields' strength, there's no question that the thing Fields does best is throw the ball deep. 
now. Can they block long enough for him to drop back and let those receivers get open? Are the receivers good enough to get open in those situations? Those are both very valid questions. But, you know, Justin Fields throws one of the best deep balls in football as it is. Um, if you had, you know, if I had to guess right now, I would, I would posit that there will be more of a run game than we have seen uh, or that we ever saw under Matt Nagy, that it will be more deliberate, that it will be more frequent, and that, you know, they will hope that three or four or five times a game uh, that play action pass really catches everybody by surprise you get some of those shot plays down the field. Uh, that's my guess. It's, I think this is very good news for David Montgomery, who I think is the kind of running back who gets better as he gets more carries. And even Khalil Herbert, I think, will benefit. Look at what Green Bay did the last couple of years with two running backs. There was room for both, and both were really good as a result. You use the word deliberate, and I, I feel like that's how sort of Ryan Poles' entire time here has gone up to this point. And where, you know, initially there was the the talk about where he, he wasn't overly sort of overt in his praise of Justin Fields. Matt Eberflus wasn't necessarily, you know, using words that sounded over the moon about Justin Fields yet. And I didn't take any issue with it because they'd barely been in a meeting room with him, you know, initially there, let alone actually been on the practice field with him. Of course, still haven't played any games with him yet. But have you seen, I suppose, progression, evolution in the way that they're describing Justin Fields and, and you know their impressions of him now that they've at least been able to see him on the hoof. They they go out of their way to say that he's the hardest working guy in the in the building. Uh, I've heard multiple coaches say that you know he's kind of the first and last out. That's good to know. I think that is also something that you say when you don't really want to get into the details of the other stuff. Um, it, it because it sounds good, and because praising hard work is a pretty indefu- you know. Uh, uh, it's pretty, you know, you can't argue it. You can't argue against it. Whenever he says, well, he's a hard worker, well, there's, you know, there's the question. You're not, they're not answering the question about, you know, his completion percentage. Um, that said, <laughs> uh, and, and, and by the way, let's praise him for that. And let's praise him for, uh, let's, I mean, Mr. Trubisky was like that too. Um, so it's not a lack of want to, and it's not a lack of work ethic, which is a really, it's a really good thing to get out of the way now to just know that that's what they think of him. Uh, in terms of, you know, what he looks like physically and, and what's different. Uh, they've shortened up his, his throwing motion a little bit. Uh, it, it looks faster. And, you know, I even asked the quarterback's coach, Andrew Janoko, and he said, yeah, you know, we always, you know, try to be as, as succinct as we can in that motion. So that's different. You know, he talked about, you know, what, a month ago or so, he talked about kind of taking the shotgun snap with the, you know, with a different foot forward because the timing of the offense is dependent on, you know, him going, right, left, right, instead of left, right, left, or whatever it may be. So, yeah, there are some changes there. Um, I'll just be really curious to see how he absorbs a new offense. Uh, you know, this is the third different offense he's played in in three years. That's not fair to the kid. But, you know, I, I think we've written about this and talked about this before. He is not the first hot shot quarterback to have two different NFL coaches in his first two years. It seems like this happens a lot where a team drafts a quarterback and they stink and they fire everybody. Um, and, you know, uh, quarterbacks have benefited, benefited from that and some uh, have not. So, you know, we'll see which way it goes. I personally am uh, – I think Justin Fields has some very loud skills that I think the Bears are excited to try to build around. And I, I'm anxious to see whether they can come up with an offense that fits his skill set because – you know, they tried to do that on the fly last year, and 
you know, the results spoke from themselves. August can't come soon enough, Patrick. We appreciate you for hanging out with us today and giving us the insight on our favorite team, the Chicago Bears. No, we got to get that vacation out of the way. Let's not rush August yet. Let's, uh, <laughs> no, no. Enjoy July. Slow, Patrick. It's slow, man. It's a Monday with no Cubs and Sox. It's slow, dude. We're talking Jalen Johnson for 15 minutes. All right. Hey, Pat. Hey, Pat. Thanks for hanging out with us today, man. I appreciate you. Have a good one, guys. Of course, he covers the Bears and the NFL for the Chicago Sun-Times. Patrick Finley joined us on the Circuit Resort and Casino Hotline, Circuit Resort and Casino, home of of the world's largest sports book. You know, it's funny. We were talking about the praise that Justin Fields is getting, Ant, and even like Darnell Mooney, right? And that was something I wanted to talk to you about where it's like he's like, he's going to be amazing when talking about Justin Fields. And I just, I I, I look at that statement and it's like, how can we measure amazing, right? Is it by wins? Is it by improved statistics? Like Pat was saying, improved completion percentage. And, you know, so I'm, I'm curious, you know, what that looks like. But he'll be in our next segment, and I can't wait to do it with you. We're going to have a little fun. It is a, a game I've dubbed same, better, or worse. I couldn't think of a, of a, of a better synonym for kind of like same or equal to. So, so this is what you get. Mm-hmm. Same, better, or worse. I'm going to talk about a specific Chicago Bear player. And then I'm going to compare him to someone in the NFL that has a similar skill set. And then Anthony Heron, our former NFLer, is going to tell us if the Chicago Bear player is the same, better, or worse than the supposed NFL guy that I'm going to compare him against. We're going to do that right on the other side of this. Of course, I'm Gabe Ramirez. He's Anthony Heron, and we'll do that next on Chicago Sports Radio. 670 to score. It's Gabe Ramirez, Anthony Heron on 670 the score in Odyssey Station. Oh, I thought, okay, there we go. There we go, season Perez. Don't tease us like that. We're in the middle of summer. If it wasn't summer, I'd say I don't want to hear the chorus. But because we're in summer, then you got to play hip hop array. Were you a big? Fr- I don't even want to get into it. We could do music all the time, and I don't want to. But we are going to do. Let me. Okay, real quick, okay. since you referenced that. I know. Um, how how hard do you try to avoid going into the music bag? Like, are you making a conscious effort? Like, you know, especially when I first started doing a lot of work here at the score, I just kind of felt like, all right, the, the football thing is kind of the obvious lane for me to fall into. <laughs> I can come over here for three or four hours and just talk bears, like all show, every show. And the text line will light sure. up if I go a couple hours without doing like, hey, man, Ant, what's up, man? Why are you talking baseball? Why are you talking bulls? Yeah. Like, all right, I, I got other stuff I'm into. So let me make sure I kind of, you know, get that out there and show what else I can do. Have you made a conscious effort to not kind of just go into the music bag that I, frequently? Or I mean, I, I is think it with not you, even you're worried about with you, it's 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 instant credibility, right? I mean, damn, you mm. played in the NFL. I mean, geez, <laughs> six seven is score just that like goes hand in hand. Me, I was at a pop station for 14 years playing uh-huh. Justin Bieber and Taylor Swift. Uh-huh. So I I I I don't want to talk about music because I feel like it it, it takes a dig on my credibility and I want to just stick yeah. with my knowledge of Chicago sports because those that's that's my bag right there. Uh-huh. However, when we play the intro music, I, I do like to give a nod to the songs to right. let people know, like, hey, I know what song this is. Because, uh-huh. you know, sometimes I don't want to point fingers, but you'll see some of the guys on any sports show, for that matter, hmm. or even a talk radio station, where they'll play a song, and you know they have zero. It's, they'll throw some mm-hmm. hip-hop in the background. You know they got They're like, that's for us. That's for us right. people to be comfortable, right. and, you know. So, yeah, I try to stay away from it. But uh-huh. one thing I can bring over from B96, Anthony Heron, 
is my love for games <laughs> and my my pop culture knowledge. I create these things often or created them often over on B, which, by the way, this Sunday, 12 to 5, my first shift back on B96. So make sure you guys okay. are listening over All the weekend. Right. I, 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 right. I still cool. work Good over there. That. I still work yeah. over there. I got to check over there. Yeah. Um, so the game we're playing, Caesar, hit the music, baby. Is same, better, or worse? All right. I love the dramatic music, by the way. Very dramatic. So, Anthony Heron, and you can play along in your car. I am going to give you the name of a current Chicago Bear player that will be on this roster for the 2022 season. And then I have found a comparable player in the NFL. Comparable. But it is up to you, Ann Heron, to tell me whether they are the same, better, or worse. And I'm talking about the Chicago Bear in comparison to the other. And you guys can play along in the text messages. We're reading them. 312-644-6767. Your first duo is going to be David Montgomery and his counterpart, who you will be comparing him against, Anthony Heron, is Josh Jacobson from the Las Vegas Raiders. David Montgomery, Josh Josh Jacobson, is David Montgomery the same, better, or worse than Josh Jacobson. All right, so Josh Jacobs, you know, out of Alabama, been in the league a few years at this point. First round pick, and when he came into the league, like especially his rookie season, he was it felt like there were games where he was kind of the bulk of the Raiders offense. And you know, John Gruden was still coaching him, calling the plays, Gruden doesn't mind running the rock. Uh Derek Carr, for as talented as he is, there you know, there are some limitations to how much volume you really want to trust him to, to pass it with to, to lead to wins and everything. Um, by comparison to David Montgomery, though, where Josh Jacobs kind of every year he's been in the, in the league, he's, I think he's gradually improved as a pass receiver, which wasn't really something they asked him to do very much early in his career, but he will get downhill immediately. I don't necessarily see a lot of creativity in his running style, though, so I'd, I'd say over by comparison to David Montgomery, Montgomery is a really skilled pass receiver. There's certainly games where that disappears uh, sure. from, from the Bears' offense for whatever reason, but I think David Montgomery versus Josh Jacobs, I'll, I'd say at least same. I almost give a slight edge to Montgomery. I'm still kind of waiting for David Montgomery to really break out sure. with kind of a huge – season and the Bears offensive approach this year may allow that a little bit more than the situations he was in in the past Uh, at least same I almost go advantage Montgomery but I'm gonna say same with that I love it and I just want to make it very clear me with my homer heart pounding as hard as it possibly the reason I'm not playing this game is because the answer is better for everybody (laughs) I think every Chicago (laughs) Bear player is better than whoever I'm about to compare him to so that's why I'm not answering these questions all right next up we're going to stick with the Las Vegas Raiders, and we're going to go to the wide receiver position. The Chicago Bear you're looking at is Darnell Mooney. Okay, His okay. counterpart is going to be Hunter Renfro, another ah. hands guy, another slot guy. Right. Is right. Darnell Mooney the same, better, or worse than Hunter Renfro? So with this one, like I like Hunter Renfro's game. I do. I like his game a lot, and especially with the way – he operates in the slot. The ability he has to kind of free up really quickly and shows no fear catching the ball in traffic. Now, he's not one of these guys with enough burst to consistently threaten the coverage deep, so you're not necessarily lengthening coverage with a Hunter Renfro. 
in your offense. Uh, so by comparison to Darnell Mooney, who has also shown the ability in the slot to free up really quickly, Mooney hasn't necessarily had the the volume of catches in, in a young career up to this point that Renfro's been able to kind of, you know, get for himself there in the Raiders offense, but the Bears passing attack hasn't been as a it, it you know, has been stymied a lot more than the Raiders have. So between the two, I'll I'll say Mooney's better. Yeah. You know, Renfro's a little little yeah. older in the league. But Mooney is a guy who right now has an opportunity to show himself as a true number one receiver. I don't think anyone really views Hunter Renfro even in that discussion. Darnell Mooney an opportunity to maybe maybe try to prove he can do that. I don't necessarily think he's that, at least not certainly not a high level number one. I don't know that that's his ceiling, but okay. you know, between targets, catches, he'll he'll have that opportunity this year. And he essentially he can do what Hunter Renfro can do. We'll, we'll see Mooney if he gets the opportunities in the slot to make maybe some more physical grabs because Hunter Renfro is not a lot bigger than Darnell Mooney, right. but he does have more ability to make kind of those physical grabs in the slot, take a big hit, kind of take a pounding in there. But probably that's because guys aren't running away from Hunter Renfro. Like, you know, Darnell Mooney can create <laughs> space. He can create separation, uh, but he's also got that you know kind of quick twitch ability to free up really quickly. So I'll say Mooney's better. All right. He is Anthony Heron. I'm Gabe Ramirez. This is 670 The Score. We're in the middle of same, better, or worse. Now we're going to go to the defensive side of the ball. We only got two guys left. Okay. Roquan right. Smith is your Chicago Bear. Better. Oh, I'm sorry. Already, just immediately, right? <laughs> the person we're putting him up against – is a guy who had more tackles than him this year. Roquan was in the top okay. like five or six of tackles okay. in the NFL. Bobby Wagner. Ooh. Bobby Wagner. Now, and I so, right. so when I asked this question and I put these two together, I started thinking to myself, like, we all think highly of Roquan, but right. how highly do we think of Roquan Smith? <laughs> Again, the answer for me is always better, regardless, because I'm just a homer. Uh, but we need a realist in this situation. Roquan Smith, is he the same, better, or worse than Bobby Wagner? Oh man, that's a that's a hard one right there because I, <laughs> both guys are outstanding. I, I like this cop, man. This might be the best one, probably in some ways, maybe the most challenging one you've given me up to this point. Because, like I referenced, man, Roquan is obviously still fairly early in his career. You know, he, he's a guy who's still on contract number one. Has over the last couple of seasons, in my opinion, and you and I, I'm sure, talked about it on, on Bears Unleashed over on Fox 32 a few times, where the fact that Roquan isn't getting those those Pro Bowl and All Pro votes to the level that he should, Bobby Wagner has been one of those players standing in his way. You know, where he's he's been in the league <laughs> for a decade, he's been one of the best in the business. He's he's very athletic for an inside linebacker. There's no doubt about that. He's not as athletic as Roquan Smith, especially from a straight line speed perspective, but he brings thump on the tackle and he can he can just kind of do everything you want a Mike Backer to be able to do. He's got more overall resume than Roquan's been able to build up up to this point. But again, he's just been at it a lot longer, been on much better teams throughout his career. So I think if you put Roquan in the situation in Seattle that Bobby Wagner was in, mm. maybe some of those same accolades would be there for a okay. Roquan Smith. So I'm, I'm certainly willing to. When you base it off the last two seasons, even though, again, you know, the total body of work, like Bobby Wagner is a guy who you know, is putting together you know, one of the great careers we've seen over the past decade as a linebacker. Roquan will have to keep stacking years for that. To look at these last two seasons, man. Roquan Smith, same with Bobby Wagner. I like that. I just see the SNL skit happening while we're doing this segment, and I just hear the Bears in the background. Uh, better, better, right. the Bears. Right. All right, it's last one before we get out of here. And I'm going to switch it up because I, I did have uh, I have Justin Fields here. We got to talk about him and, and who his mm-hmm. comparable guy is. And at first, I wrote down Jimmy Garoppolo, 
Mm-hmm. But now that I look at it, and you know, Jimmy's not even number one on the depth chart. It's Trey Lance. Mm-hmm. And this is the potential matchup for game one of the NFL season for the Chicago Bears. True. So then the question is, this very last one, Justin Fields, is he the same, better, or worse than Trey Lance? Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I... I, I like Trey Lance's potential better, man, but <laughs> better. But yeah, I, I feel pretty good about this one at the moment, man. Give, give me Justin Fields all day, every day for the moment. Um, you know, I mean, Lance will he'll obviously get more opportunity here, but right now he hasn't even done an effective job of running Jimmy G out of town. He's still got a veteran there right in San Francisco that he's trying to make sure he can solidify that QB one job instead of Garoppolo at the moment. And just like Jordan Love in Green Bay, where in the limited opportunities he's had, he hadn't been able. Now, you know, Aaron Rodgers is you know different kind of cat. You know, <laughs> right, he, right, right, right. A little, little easy, a little, little more difficult to usher Aaron Rodgers out the door. But I think by comparison, Justin Fields has been able to solidify himself as QB one in Chicago. We, we saw several moments. We saw halves of football, once or twice a full game of football, when the game plan kind of suited him better. Where you saw those flashes turn into some st- statistical success. Uh, so by comparison to Trey Lance, yeah, give me a, give me Justin Fields, no doubt better. All I hear, all I heard, Cesar Perez, our producer extraordinaire, was Bears are going to win Week One of the NFL season. That's what oh. I, that's what I ultimately yeah. heard in my head. Yeah. Yeah. Did you hear the same thing? Lots of Bears love. I'm, I like it. I like okay. it. I'm on the same page. I like Not it. Bears. <laughs> all right. Enough about that. The question we have on the other side of this commercial break is are the White Sox the same, better, or worse than the Minnesota Twins? Because something needs to happen with this team, and they gave us a little, a little something within, in the form of good pitching over the weekend. Uh, but we're going we're gonna to ask ourselves that very same question right after this commercial break. He's Anthony Heron. I'm Gabe Ramirez. This is Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. 